Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Fantastic. So this week, what we're going to do is we're going to focus a little bit on uh, kind of the story from when jo- uh, Joseph went from the pit to Potiphar's house. And, um, and, and uh, we want to jump into Genesis chapter 39. So uh, Joseph here started off his journey as a young boy, as I mentioned, 17 years old. And as being a 17-year-old young boy, he had a little bit of pride, he had a little bit of entitlement, didn't even know it. It was actually a blind spot. It was maybe just because I don't even really think it was his fault. Kind of grew up in a home where he didn't really have any struggles. His dad really favored him. He had a lot going for him. He didn't really have to work like his brothers worked. He was just kind of getting set up with a little bit of a silver spooner in his mouth. But he was still a great guy. He was still a good heart, still a man of integrity, still loved God. But he was a little entitled, a little prideful. And so his brothers just downright hated him. His brothers wanted to kill him. From far away, his dad sent him on a mission to go out and find his brothers in the field to report back to him. He went out, and from a distance, they saw this little Joseph, 17 years old, with his cute little coat on. And he said, when he got up close, he said, you know what? Let's kill that kid. That kid is so idealistic and so prideful and so entitled. And here we are, 40 years old. I'm working out in the field, working with sheep, and he's walking around like he's got something going on that I don't have. I've been working hard. I'm the first or second born. It should be mine. I should be wearing that coat. Let's throw that kid. uh, Let's kill him and throw him into a pit. So from far away, they plotted his murder. And they brought him uh, close. So when they came by, they they took his cloak and they ripped it off of him. They dipped it in goat's blood. They shredded it apart. They threw Joseph into a cistern, into a deep pit. And Reuben, the firstborn, wanted to save Joseph. And so he said, hey, why don't we just throw him in a pit? Let's not kill him. Let's figure something else out. So they threw him in a pit, and then the brothers went and had lunch. Like, literally, that's what it says. They threw him in a pit, and then they had lunch. (laughs) That's pretty dark. Um, And they're out there eating their bologna sandwich. Hey, Joseph, how's it going? He's down in the pit. And finally, Reuben said, hey, throw him in the pit, because he wanted to come back later and rescue him. What happened was, is that a bunch of slave traders came by who were, uh, who were uh, taking merchandise and different people, but this was actually slave traffic, and so human trafficking. And so they said, hey, why don't we not kill him? We don't want the blood of our brother on our hands. Why don't we go ahead and sell him into human trafficking, sell him into a life of servitude and slavery? So they ended up selling him into slavery, ended up selling him uh, into uh, the hands of slave traders. And the slave traders of that day were treated, uh, they treated their product uh, improperly. They treated those who were weak and those who were nimble and those who were physically uh, with ailments. They treated them poorly, but the ones who looked good, the ones who looked strong, they treated them like they were the most precious china. They didn't want them to get hurt. They put them away from everybody else because they wanted to make sure that they could get the most money out of this product. And it just so happens that in this journey, Joseph was with all the other uh, the slaves and all the other products, standing on a block with chains behind his back and chains around his feet, standing there as probably a 17 or 18-year-old young boy, not knowing why he was in this position. He didn't know, why am I here? What have I done wrong? Why did I deserve this? I've always been a good kid. I've always gone to church. I've always prayed. I've always been a good person. I've always been nice. I've always paid it forward. Man, like I've always extended because I don't want karma to come back and kick me in the butt. I've always been a good person. Like I've always done everything right. I've been polite. I picked up garbage on the floor. I gave money to charity. I did all the right things. Why do I feel stuck? How did I get in this position? How did I get in this tragedy that I'm in? 
How did I get here? Joseph didn't deserve what had happened to him, but God needed to work some things out of his life, so he allowed him to get into a position where Joseph didn't deserve it, but Joseph needed it. He stood before the slave traders, and it just so happens that a man named Potiphar came by and chose to purchase Joseph. My thing's not working again, so Ricardo, you're going to help me out today, buddy. Let's go to that first verse in Genesis chapter 39, verse 1. It says, when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Now, many people don't know who Pharaoh or Potiphar was, but uh, after some research and study, you'll find that Potiphar was actually, he, as it says, the captain of the guard, and he was most likely the chief kind of uh, oversaw, the manager of all the, the, the captain guards. He was also the one who oversaw all of those in the royal palace who ticked off Pharaoh were underneath his care. Not only that, he was also the chief executioner. So you know those movies when the guy wears that big black thing over their head and they've got that big massive medieval sword and they chop guys' heads off. This guy was the chief executioner. So you do not want to mess with this guy. I mean, just imagine him for a moment, this big dude who grunts instead of speaks and he just you know, takes a knife through people's heads. The chief executioner for Pharaoh. And he walks by and he looks at Joseph and he sees him and he thinks for a moment, oh, this guy's going to be a good worker. So he pays for him. He brings him into his home. So here we are. Joseph's a slave. He's 700 kilometers from his home. 18 years old. Knows nobody. Doesn't know why he's there. Doesn't know why he's in this position. Have you ever found yourself in this similar place in your life? When you're in a relationship or you're in a financial struggle or you're in a marriage strife or your business isn't doing well or something's going on in your life and you come to that moment where you say, I have no idea why I'm here. I look around at my situation and I don't know anybody and I'm 700 kilometers from home and I'm standing here as a slave and I used to be my dad's favorite. But my brothers took, betrayed, my own flesh and blood betrayed me and tried to murder me. Like, how did I get here? Have you ever found yourself in that place before and begin to think that maybe God doesn't want to bless my life? Maybe God doesn't love me. Maybe God doesn't give good gifts. Why would God do this to me? Why would God punish me like this? I must be because I'm not a good enough person or I I didn't make good enough decisions or I didn't make good enough investments or I didn't do this or that good enough. I don't know why I'm here, but I'm starting to feel like I got a raw deal in life and the deck of cards that I was dealt was the worst deck in the hand and this is all falling apart. This is not okay. Have you ever been there before? Today, I want to talk to you about how when you're in those seasons of life, you have to remember that God wants to prosper you. He wants to prosper your life. He wants to bless you. Now, uh, don't mute my channel yet. I'm not talking about name it, claim it, prosperity, where you want that new Lamborghini outside. You say, I name it and claim it. By faith, I want that Lamborghini outside. And you're going to have it in the name of Jesus. If you give you 10%, you're going to get that Lamborghini with all the goodness. I don't mean any of that stuff. I don't mean name it and claim it stuff. I don't mean stuff like that with my gold mic trying to get your cash. I mean that as God's son and daughter, God has perfect intentions to bless your life. When you're, when you're blessed, when you're going out, when you're coming in, no matter where you are in your life, no matter where you live, no matter what you're facing, no matter how deep in sin you are, no matter how bad of a decisions that you made, your father wants to bless you. He wants to prosper you. That word prosper, as we'll see in our Hebrew word and the Greek word, has a similar connotation 
actually speaks to the idea of God pushing you forward. Have you ever uh, maybe babysat a kid or, or I know I have two children, so I've been a parent or watched kids and you're having to tell them, come on, let's go or let's leave the store and they're, they're kind of dragging their feet and you got to grab them and you got to kind of pull them. Have you ever gone behind your kid and actually pushed them? You know, you're just like, get out of the store. You're not going to buy that $900 stroller for your little baby. That's what God sometimes wants to do to us, that when we're in a situation where we get stuck and we don't know what's going on and we don't know why we got there and why is my business not doing well and why are things falling apart, your father comes along and says, hey, buddy, I love you and we're going to get you out of the store. We're going to get you out of this place. I want to bless you where you are. I want to bless you. He starts pushing you forward. God wants to prosper you. God wants to bless you. I need you to hear this today because I believe there's a lot of Christians who don't believe that their father in heaven wants to give them a good life, that wants to bless them, that wants to encourage them, that wants to speak faith to them, that wants them to have hope. You know what? God wants to bless you financially. God wants to bless your marriage. God wants to bless your mind. He wants to bless your heart. He wants to bless your emotions. God has full intentions to bless your life. If you think anything else other than that about God, you are misinformed. God has perfect intentions to bless your life. Whether you like it or not, whether you think you deserve it or not, whether you think you're in the right position for it or not, God wants to bless your life. He wants to prosper you. He wants to push you forward. He wants to bless your life. That is the reality of the God that we serve. You got to remember, Joseph had a dream from God. Joseph was given a dream from God, and now he's a slave. Sometimes God gives you a vision for your future, a picture of your future, and you want to celebrate it, and it's awesome. You should, but you have to remember, sometimes you've got to become a slave to become great in God's kingdom. That's what Jesus says. The greatest in the kingdom of God are what? The servant of all. And we'll see in this verse that Joseph emulated this idea, and God wanted to prosper him. Let's read this verse, and I want to just kind of let the Bible reiterate my point that he wants to bless you. In Genesis 26, the next verse, you can just keep with me, Ricardo. That'd be awesome, buddy. Thank you, bud. When Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested 100 times more grain than he planted, for the Lord blessed him. He became a very rich man, and his wealth continued to grow. So we say, Ryan, wealth isn't good. Well, actually, that's not true. Wealth is actually from God. But there's some of us who have a different capacity. I've never been a rich person. I don't think I ever will be. I have an ability to live a life in it with not much, and I love my life. Other people in the room have a gift to make a buck. Other people in the room have a gift to have a lot of wealth. And we say, well, those people aren't followers of Jesus. Not absolutely not. Jesus blesses you, blesses me, blesses all of us. He wants to bless you in your capacity that God has given you and the skill set God's given you. How about the next one? Look at this, and whatever verse is going to pop up right now. There you go, Deuteronomy 2, 29, 9. Therefore, obey the terms of this covenant so that... So if you do this so that you'll prosper in what? In everything you do? Hmm. So not just some of it, all of it. Marriage, too, yeah. Finances, too, uh-huh. Look at the next verse in the scripture. In uh, 2 Kings 18, 7. The Lord was with him, and Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. He revolted against the king of Assyria and refused to pay him tribute. How about one more in, th- in 3 John 2, dear friend? I hope all is well with you and that you are healthy, as healthy in body as you are strong in 
spirit. Let's go back to our story about Joseph in Genesis 39 on the next couple of slides, and we'll read it together and give you a picture of what God did when he put him in Potiphar's house. Verse, verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did. As he served in the home of the, his Egyptian master, Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so soon made Joseph his personal attendant, and he put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. And from the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. The warden had no worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. I think God wanted to bless Joseph. Joseph walked into a situation where he was a slave, where he knew nobody, where he was young, he was idealistic. He really didn't have any kind of historical experience to prove to Potiphar that he was something else. It was just very simple. God wanted to bless Joseph. Do you know God wants to do the same thing for you? He wants to bless your life. I want to talk to you about four things today about the, the prosperity of God. I, want to, I don't like the word prosperity of God. I'll say the, the, God's prospering you. There's a difference, I think, between prosperity and prospering. <laughs> he wants to prosper you. There are four things I want to give you today. I actually want to give you, I think, this word keys to getting that prosperity in your life. The first one is very simple. If we walk in the presence of God, we will prosper. This is going to be simple stuff today, but sometimes the simple things that I share with you, you need to understand, we got to, if we could just get one simple thing into our lives. Listen, if you walk by the presence of God, God will prosper you. Look at this in Genesis 39 on the next, on the next slide. The Lord was what? With Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did. Look at this. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph. Potiphar was not a follower of God. Potiphar was most likely a follower of Ra or Baal of some sort. But when he looked at Joseph, there was something different about this man. He looked at him and he knew, man, God is with this guy. Wow, things are really interesting. The way he talks and the way he carries himself and his integrity and how kind he is and his love for people and how he goes the extra mile and doesn't expect anything in return. And Man, this guy just goes above and beyond with excellence. What is it about this guy? Man, maybe it's this God he's always been talking about. God is with him. God's presence was on him. And it's very interesting to me that Potiphar noticed it. The person who brought Joseph the prosperity was the unbeliever that Joseph worked for. You might look at your job right now and say, man, I work for an unchristian company and man, it's just unchristian. Did you, did you ever consider that maybe God wants you to be the most successful person in that entire business, even though your, your, your bosses and your uh, employers are all unsaved and not Christians and not follower of God? Could it be that God has placed you in that place to show that company what it looks like to be a blessed follower of Jesus Christ? For some reason, they want to give you raises and they want to bless you and they want to give you that company car and they want to expand your your influence for some reason I just feel like I can give more to this guy or this girl 
That's what God wants to do in your job right now. If you're sitting back in your job, just thinking, man, this sucks, this is terrible. Hey, stop. First, thank Jesus for the job you have and say, Jesus, how can I be blessed in this, in this field? How can I be blessed in this season? What can I do to serve you in a way that will make a difference in the people's lives so that I might be blessed, that I might see more and more people's lives impacted by the gospel of the kingdom of God through my simple heart to serve the Lord. God's presence, if it's on your life, you will be blessed. You will prosper. We look at this in, 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 um, in the New Testament, Acts 4.13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. Now, I'm pretty ordinary. Maybe some of you are ordinary women. Ordinary men and women. Maybe not extraordinary. Maybe you're not special. Maybe you just go to a job. Maybe you're working at Starbucks, doing the barista, doing your thing, getting the scone, helping people get their coffees when they yell at you for putting cream in it when they wanted it black and you're just having to be nice. Standing in that place, you're unordinary. You might have never been to Bible college, never been to school, but you're standing there and the only thing you have is the fact that you have been with Jesus. Man, what is different about this person? They don't have a master's degree I mean, they don't look very smart. I mean, I know people think that about, man, they look very smart. Man, it doesn't look like much going for him. Look at that, you know, he's driving this car. It looks like that. Man, what is it about this guy? He's just so blessed. He's prospering with the little he has. I feel he's richer than I am, and he makes less money than I do. That's called prosperity. God wants to prosper you, but it starts by getting God's presence in your life. This is the absolute key to experience the prosperity of God in your life is when the presence of Jesus Christ is on you. But how do you get the presence of Jesus Christ on you? You got to spend time with Jesus. You got to talk to Jesus. You got to spend time with Jesus. And that's what I'm going to talk to you. The next three things. The next three things are going to talk about how to get the presence of God in your life. Because the presence of God is the key to prosperity. It's the key to seeing God push you forward in your life. His presence in your atmosphere. So how do we get the presence of God in our life? Very simple. The second thought here. Very simple. Very challenging. Obey God and you'll experience his presence. Very, very simple this morning. Obey God and you'll experience his presence. Look at this in 2 Chronicles 7.13. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the example of his father, David, his early years and did not worship the images of Baal. So Jehoshaphat was blessed in his life for years to come because he made a decision that I'm going to be obedient to my father's, uh, my father's teaching, which was David's word. The things that David taught me about Yahweh, I'm going to follow those things too. Look at this in 1 Samuel 18. It says, Saul was then afraid of David, for the Lord was with David and had turned away from Saul. David continued to succeed in everything he did, for the Lord was with him. Interesting. God was originally on Saul. This whole story started with Saul being filled with the Spirit of God and prophesying with a bunch of prophets. This story started by Saul hiding behind a bunch of baggage because he was so insecure and feeling inadequate for the job. And then he came in and the Spirit of God rested on Saul. But Saul chose not to obey the Word of God. So God said, I cannot prosper you any longer. I've chosen someone else. And the Scripture here says that God was with David at all times, because God was with him and he succeeded in his life. Look at this one in Deuteronomy 11. This is an interesting one. Look, today I'm, I'm giving you a choice between a blessing and a curse. 
You'll be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord the God, your God that I'm giving you today. But you will be cursed if you reject the commands of the Lord your God and turn away from him and worship gods that you've not known before. So God is here saying, hey, listen, I give you a choice. I'm not going to force you. I don't believe in my theology that God can force us to do anything. And he has the power, he has the capacity, but in his nature, he's given you and I a free will. He says, hey, you got to choose. I want to bless you. I want to pour my blessing and favor out on your life. I want to prosper you, but it starts with your heart saying, yes, I want to obey the word of God. Look at this in Job 36. This is, a, this is an interesting one. Job 36, 11 to 12. If they listen and obey God, they'll be blessed with prosperity throughout their lives. Job is actually the first book written in the chronological order. Moses wrote this book first. And it's actually a picture, Job is actually a picture of kind of humanity. It's kind of this picture as you boil down to the bottom kind of bedrock reality of what Job is all about. It all comes down to this one thing, faith in God. And do you believe that God is good when life sucks? And see, here he's saying, listen, I'm going to give you a key. Job was the guy they use as an example to say, okay, listen, if, if life sucks, life can be hard, life can be challenging, life can be difficult. But if you obey God, they will be blessed with prosperity throughout their lives. All their years will be pleasant. Come on, just for a moment. Can we stop and say, that sounds pretty cool? Like, I just get the sense in my heart, and forgive me if I'm making an assumption, that some of you are reading that scripture today saying, oh, that's not for me. Some of you are here today reading this verse thinking, man, this isn't for my life. That must be for another person or another day or, or another journey or another individual. Did you know that this verse is God's word and every word of God is true? And that every word written in the book of God is actually a love letter to you? And that God's saying today, guess what? I will bless you. I will give you prosperity. I will bless your life. All your years will be pleasant. Will you have ups and downs? Yes. Maybe he means by that that when you're going through a hard time in your life and maybe there's a sickness in your life or there's a challenge or tragedy, even though you face it in your heart, you sense the pleasantness of God's presence and you can endure anything. God wants to bless your life. But if they refuse to listen to him, they will cross over the river of death, dying from lack of understanding. Oh my gosh, I should have taken that one out. <laughs> Woo, let's just stay on the first one, right? He gives us a choice. He says, okay, come on. You want God's presence? Well, it starts with obedience. It starts with you saying, yes, God. Look at this in Proverbs 28, 13. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Okay, the third thing. So we see, okay, God's presence brings prosperity. Okay, Ryan, so how do I get God's presence? Okay, we've got to be obedient to, to God. Okay, well, Ryan... I'm struggling with my obedience. How do I begin to get to the place where I can start obeying? Because I'm not very good at that. I'm not very good at it. I'm sure you might struggle with it too. But man, how do I get to the place where I can start being obedient to God? Okay, the third one here is this. We learn obedience through our faith. So your faith or your belief, it compels you to obey. Why do you think, why do you think a farmer takes seed and plants it in a soil? What is he doing? He is anticipating fruit. It's like when you get into the shower in the morning. This, this morning at like 3.45, literally, I was at the campground because my wife tricked me and made me stay in an RV and I thought it was a nice big mansion and it was a tiny little RV. And it was like this close to the ceiling and there were spiders everywhere. It was the worst experience of my life. So I'm standing in the shower at 3.45 in the morning and I'm just tired and I 
I put the quarter in. It's three minutes for a quarter. And I'm like turning it and I won't get it going. I'm standing there, you know, I'm standing there in my shower outfit. <laughs> and I'm just like at 3.45 in the morning going, oh, Lord, just make it work. <laughs> I finally got in the shower and it turns on. And what was the temperature? So cold. Right? And I'm standing there in the corner, spider above me probably, waiting to attack me, going like this. You know, you tap the water. Tap, 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 tap. Mm. Tap, 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 Right? And all of a sudden, it starts to get a little warmer. You're like, oh, okay, all right, all right. And then you get in, and it's like really hot. Ah! You know, you get in and burn yourself, turn it down. That's just like obedience. When you start learning God's word and start having to obey, it's a little cold. When God says, you can't look at that, you can't talk like that, hey, you probably should change your perspective on this thing that you have so strong opinion about. Or, hey, that way you talk to your wife, maybe you want to adjust that a little bit. The conviction of the Holy Spirit comes, has, hey, why don't you love unconditionally? All these different things God begins to work on us through the reading of his word, we find that at first it's a little bit cold. At first it's a little bit hard. At first it's a little bit challenging. But after a while you start tapping, okay, all right, whoa, every time I obey God, he pushes me forward. Every time I go to work and I'm tempted to make that shady deal to make tons of money and I choose not to do that, man, it's weird. God blessed me more by saying no to the shady deal than I would have made money than doing the shady deal. You will find that as you begin to test the waters of obedience and you begin to tap it out, okay, I get this, I get it, God will pour out his blessings in your life. You will begin to experience the presence of the Lord like never before. And guess what? Your faith will be stirred. Now listen, this, the, the the farmer plants the seed because he's expecting a result. That's like our faith. Our faith, our belief, our belief in God stirs us to obey. That would mean this. If we're struggling with obedience, we're struggling with our faith. You see, Ryan, I'm struggling to obey God. Well, then let's go back to your faith because your belief in God, your faith in that when you obey God, he blesses you. When I obey God, he helps me. When I obey God, he honors me. That reality, that fruit, that result, that step, that reality in scripture, you choose blessing or cursing based on your obedience to God's word. It's up to you. Our faith compels us to obey God's word. So when you start to say, Ryan, I started obeying God. and Man, my faith started getting stirred a little bit. And I started to realize that when I did this, this happened. When I spoke to my wife that way, this was the result. I got that out of that. That was incredible. Wow, what is that? That's called faith being stirred in your life. Faith being stirred in your heart. Look at this scripture in Mark chapter 10, verse 21 to 22. Jesus looked at this man. This man was a very wealthy man. And he came to Jesus, and he was a spiritual leader. He had taught the scriptures. He had known God. And he came to Jesus, and Jesus, I'm unsure how to find eternal life. I'm not sure if I'm going to make it to heaven. I've served you all the day. I've served Yahweh all the days of my life. I've, I've, I've followed the commandments. I've, I'm a religious teacher. I've done all these things. He goes through all the list of things he's done. And he says, what do I need to do? And Jesus looks at him and says, he loved him and said, one thing you lack. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. So God said, here's my word. This is what I want you to do. This is the step I want you to take. I want you to sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And it says in the scripture, hey, the most important part of that is come and follow me. <laughs> Verse 22, look what it says. At this, at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Just for a moment, let's just consider. 
What would have happened if this man would have given up everything he owned? How much more wealthy would this man may have been? How many orphanages would he maybe have built throughout the world? How many causes maybe he have reached across the world? How many churches maybe he had started and people he had helped? And all of these incredible things that God could have done through this simple obedience in his life. God could have done incredible things with his life, but he looked at all that he had and said, man, this is just too Your obedience to God will stir your faith. Your faith gets stirred. You start to stir. Okay, come on. I'm tapping the waters. Uh, how does this feel? Okay, I'm going to start obeying. And you feel a little cold at first. feels a little hard. And then God starts to come with, come with you. And you begin to obey. And his, his presence starts to be on your life. And you start to see prosperity. There's one more thing before we end. Very simple. All throughout Scripture, it teaches there's a blessing for those who obey. We're not going to read the scripture, but in Ephesians 6, 1 to 3, it talks about kids being obedient to their parents. And it says, actually, this is the only command with a double blessing. If you obey your parents, you'll be doubly blessed in your life. We read in Colossians again, it talks about slaves and how slaves to their masters. And this is our, our current correlation would be employees to employers. Let's read that one in Colossians 3. That's the two slides up, my friend. Colossians 3, look at this. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. That's okay. Employers, obey your employees or employ, you know what I mean. In everything you do, try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely because your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving, the employee, employer that you're serving is actually Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you're going to be paid back for the wrong you've done for God is no favorites. Listen, I hate to break it to you, but there are just options. God says, okay, I'm going to bless you if you choose this. If you don't choose this, listen, the prosperity, I want to. I want to bless you, son. I want to bless you, daughter. But I, I cannot do that if you're not obedient to my word. Lastly here today, as we end our time together, the fourth one is this. How, Ryan, okay, how do I get that faith in my life? I want to see prosperity in my life. So you need God's presence, okay? How do I get God's presence? Okay, you get God's presence through obedience. Okay, Ryan, how do I obey? Well, you gotta get your faith in order and make sure that you believe that God will reward those who are to seek Him. Okay, Ryan, how do I get that faith? My faith is weak. My faith is not doing well. I can't obey God because my faith in my belief in God is waning. What do I do? Very simple, very simple. The fourth one is this. You can get faith through hearing God's Word. I want you to know something. It doesn't say doing God's word, hearing God's word. The key to having faith in your life is hearing God's word. This is something everyone in this room can start today. If you have an app on your phone called YouVersion, open it up and every day they give you a verse of the day. Every day. Read that verse of the day, meditate on it, and you watch. You'll begin to stir your faith. Your faith will begin to lead you towards obedience. Your obedience will begin to lead you towards God's presence. God's presence will begin to see prosperity in your life. It actually is a reality that God teaches us in Scripture. Look at the Scripture in Romans chapter 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. It doesn't say faith comes from doing. Faith comes from hearing. How do you hear God's Word? You read it. You listen to a podcast. 
Go find a great preacher on iTunes. Read, listen to the audio Bible. Listen, listen, listen to God's word. Get God's word in your spirit. Shut off the other audio books for a while. Shut off the other radio stations for a while. And you watch what happens. As you begin to listen to God's word, your spirit will begin to stir. Your faith will begin to raise. You'll have a desire to obey God. You'll experience the presence of the Lord like never before. And you'll be in your job saying, whoa, why am I getting a promotion? That guy deserves it. Man, there's just something about you. There's something in your life. And it all started back with one very simple thing, the word of God back to the scripture and recognize that you will not prosper in your life. I want you to hear me clearly. You will not prosper in your life the way God wants you to prosper if you are not listening to the scripture. And I want to encourage you to listen to it every day. We think we can make it without it. I want to tell you today, I want to warn you, you cannot. You will build a tower of Babel unto yourself if it's not founded upon God's word. Two more scriptures. John 1, 6. Joshua 1, 6. Look at this. Keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Look at this. Then. Everyone say then. Be careful to do. So he says, listen to it. Obey it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. <laughs> Come on. Right? If I just listen to it, and I just obey it. I'll be blessed. Look at this next one. Psalms 1, 1 and 2 to 4. Look at this. Blessed are they whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by strings of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaves do not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Whatever they do prospers. How many of you want to prosper? Come on, it's okay. Don't be shy. So if you don't want to prosper, we need to have a conversation afterwards. God wants to prosper your life. And I want to speak directly into your spirit, your soul, your mind, your heart today, your whole man, your whole woman. Stop accepting the lie from your enemy that he does not want to bless your life. That's a lie, and I'm here to just expose it. He can bless you with your little. He can bless you with your nothing. He can bless you in your hardship. He can bless you in your terrible circumstance. He can bless you in your lethargy. He can bless you wherever your condition is if you start today by saying, all right, <laughs> I've had this on my shelf for months. <laughs> I'll pull it out and I'm just going to read it. I'm going to look at my Bible app and I'm just going to let the audio run. I'm just going to read the verse today and I'm just going to read it like Ryan says. He only asked, he only asked me to give two minutes a day. One minute of reading the same verse over and over again and one minute of thinking about it and my, mark my words, after seven days, you'll want to go to four minutes. And after 14 days, you're going to want to go to 10 minutes. More and more and more, you'll find yourself reading the word of God and you can't put it down because your faith is stirred. God's presence is with you and you're blessed. Amen? Why don't you stand today? We are going to pray. We're just going to sing just another song here as we end our time together as a response. Come on, we're going to sing a song about the promises of God. Yes and amen. His promises are yes and amen. Lord, I come to you today right now, God, as we end this time together. Lord, we just say to you today, Lord, that we believe that your promises are yes and amen in our lives. 
I pray for all those in the room, God, who are having this cloud of confusion, this cloud of difficulty, reaching through that cloud of hardship or difficulty. They're reaching through right now, God, and they don't really know where to grab. They, they don't really believe that you have this for them right now. As we worship you, God, as your presence comes, would you transform their mind, Lord, the renewing of their mind by your word, O oh God, would they believe today, the Lord, you want to bless them and you have great things for their life. In Jesus' name, come on, let's sing this together. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.